It's Gadi Mazur, and he is coming from the equivalent of our NSA, but for Israel, for the IDF, in the infamous 8200 unit. Now, if you've ever Googled the 8200 unit, you can go down some very cool rabbit holes. We're not going to quite get into that today, but we are going to be talking about, with Gadi about a whole bunch of cool things that are really, really can affect you and me, and it's happening globally, and it's it's cyber it's fraud it's all sorts of stuff but first let's welcome Gotti. how you doing Gotti? not too bad not too bad and uh, and yes we're not going to dive too much into 8200 now we, we we stick we stay away from ttps and tactics techniques <laughs> procedures and all that like you know spooky stuff on this show but it's really cool to have you on it but the, the the cool thing about it is your background does give you access and more of like you have such a a like a macro and a micro view of what really is out there. And I kind of, that really believe rolls right into the corporate world. Absolutely. And I think that the, the view that I, that I have now that we have now at the company is more uh, to our customers. So, I mean, we serve now uh, about slightly over a hundred of the top banks in the world. So that's, that's where, you know, I, I'm, I'm old enough so that uh, what I did at 8200 is less relevant to financial crime these, uh, these days. Uh, you know, that was some of my service was before the Internet. So, uh, you know, we're talking <laughs> kind of a different millennia. Um, but we do have the visibility of uh, customers in over 20, country, uh, 20 countries with the top financial institutions. So that's that's where we kind of have this, uh, the, the pulse and the sense of what's going on in terms of fraud and, uh, and money, money laundering uh, threats. It's funny you you talk about before the internet and like you and I are probably around the same age bracket because I remember the nineties and over here getting out of the service for the first time, it was like, I got a certificate in like windows 95. So that was like a big thing. (laughs) But now, now you have the internet. And that's the thing is like, as you're progressing, crime progresses, you know, you have fraudsters back there who may be doing money transfers. They may be using checks. They may be using physical processes now you have the internet and now you could the world is theirs so not only do you have more banks that are visible because now you have so many online banks that don't need a brick and mortar building anymore but that also brings in the fraudsters and that's one of the things i want to talk to you today about like how it's progressed and how cyber really is kind of it's like the bank robbers of the future right right so uh in in I mean, if we started looking kind of back in, uh, you know, in decades, then uh, if you if you remember the, the the times that you actually had to go to the branch to do something, okay, just uh, and of course we're not we don't want to go there uh, in terms of user experience, but the type of fraud and the type of uh, of manipulations that are now being uh, done on end users would never fly in a branch. So if uh, just imagine, I mean, with with all the scams, and we we'll probably dive into some uh, some specific cases. Uh, but with all the scams, I mean, scams of someone manipulating you over the phone to do something on the on the digital channel, that person couldn't have come with you into the branch and manipulated you in front of the teller, right? I mean, that would have never flown. Uh, that you know, the teller would have seen that uh, that you're being uh, under the influence of some uh, someone else. Now, when it's all digi- digital and and you are 
interacting with the bank uh, through a screen, a keyboard, and a mouse, the bank doesn't see you. But what we are saying is, even though the bank doesn't see you physically and there's no that human interaction, we have enough signals in the way you interact with the dig- digital channel to let to get insights on the be- from the behavior that says this person is now under stress, this person is now under the influence of someone else, this this person is now not the person that he's supposed to be. This person does not know the information that they types into the form. So it's a stolen identity. So just by looking at how you do things, not what you're doing, but how you do things, we get a lot of kind of in a way, give the banks back some of the visibility, the, the kind of the interpersonal visibility they, they have. They're saying you don't see the person, but we see their behavior and we can tell you a few things about what's going on uh, and whether that's risky, whether that's not risky, what I mean, what's going on behind behind the screen that you don't see the end user uh, behind? You know, you bring up a great point is because we do, we used to have just a digital footprint, which would be like your, you know, okay, you're going to log in, you're going to use a, a username, you're going to use a password. Then we go to dual factor where you're going to, hey, we're going to text you it. Then we're going to go to face ID. Then we're going to go to fingerprints. We're going to go to this and that. A lot of times those those ways can be defeated. So you have to like like a company like a biotech or something has to come up with means where we could identify, like you said, patterns, user patterns. We have such unique patterns. You know, when coming from the law enforcement world, we're always looking for different ways to identify people. One of them is fingerprints back in the day. I mean, if you go way back in the day where they were trying to use like, was it phrenology where they would try to like check the, the top of your skull to see, you know, and then it goes to fingerprints. And now we're using retina. And there's so many ways of biotech if you have that person there with you. So now with with the with the cyber world, you really you're not gonna have that in-face personal say, okay, that's the guy, it marries up to this idea, this idea is legit, et cetera, et cetera. Now, how do you come up with a concept saying, okay, we're gonna we're gonna really determine who this person is by their like how they operate their their computer? It's a, so so it's a, what we do at BioCatch is, uh, and in general, in fraud protection in general, you, you, there's always two models. The model of identifying whether this is the end user based on their behavior, uh, based on previous sessions that we've seen of that of that uh, of that user. But the second is also does that does that user, even if we don't know them, does that user behave like a genuine user? Or does he behave like a fraudster? So, so there, there's a, there are two models. I mean the the uh, what you would call authentication or identity type of does that look like Jason and does that look like a risky person, a kind of a, a, you know, a fraud person? Uh, and even and and what we what, what in all we're doing is we're saying even if you have the right information and the information can be data that you enter into an onboarding form or it can be. Uh, a fake ID that you put pull in front of a camera to identify. So even if you as a fraudster have the right data to fool the authentication, so username and password, of course, uh, social security, all the information that you can easily get these days, still the way you are going to behave uh, through those systems is different than the person that you're trying to mimic, okay? So if you are opening an account, and we'll talk about new accounts, probably uh, in a bit, but if we are opening an infrastructure account for uh, money laundering, and that's the Mule account, 
uh, you and you're using someone else's identity, let's say that this person is supposed to be 70 years old, you are not necessarily going to behave like a 70 years old uh, person. And when you need to type the personal information to open an account, you're not going to behave as if you know that information. When you need to type your social security number, uh, a person types a social security number complete, continuously with no hesitation, someone that stole information will either paste that or, or type that in, in a chunky manner. So uh, even, so there are many companies that look at the data and match whether you know the data, whether you have the right picture, whether you have the right idea, we're looking at how you're passing through the process and saying, well, eh, something doesn't look right there. You know, the, I have so many questions right now. <laughs> the first is, so like here, if you're going to have like, let's say I'm sitting here in my, on my desk and I want to have, I want to take an exam here or I want to get something notarized. Now every, they're doing things with like proctors or doing people like you just hold up your ID and you state that, but it's so easy to use a fake ID. So easy to get around that stuff. And it's true. This is, there's, <laughs> when you bring up the new account and we'll get into that in a minute, I keep thinking to myself. So you could buy a software and by no means is this like an advertisement for biotech or for anybody else. There's been no transfer of funds. I just want to tell people that, but I look at a company like BioCatch, and that's one of the reasons I want to have you on today is because you have to stay on top. You have to have continuous improvement. So as you do these data, so as the, the criminals, as the fraudsters, as the, the criminal networks out there start determining Okay, so they're saying when you're putting in a social security number that you have to be one, four, two, dash, one, one. You know, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna get used to that. They're gonna fix it. They're gonna find a way to get around that. But like a biocatch, how do you keep on top of your continuous improvement with your processes? Basically, we're set by continuously looking at where we missed. So we get a feedback loop of everything. We have a very high detection rates uh, of fraud that, uh, that we're doing now, but every uh, but the banks uh, send us a feedback loop of the of the cases that we succeeded and the cases that we did not succeed. Machine learning takes and kind of uh, learns from that if there's any kind of adjustment to the model or the weights of the model needs to happen. But then the data science guys, and we have, I think, one of the, the, the top uh, data science groups in the world. Data science look at the, look at those cases specifically, what the, what the behavior that we're seeing, and basically trying to identify the features that we can look for that will differentiate those cases, so that that feature is then available for the machine learning. So we just keep looking at uh, at behaviors, and and I'll I'll give you an example for that we did three years ago. Uh, that was the first time that voice scams started to appear and like many types of fraud it started in the uk and i remember when uh kind of the conversation with one of our top uk banks back in 2019 and he described to me kind of the the flow of a voice scam so as it happened back then someone back then it was primarily elderly people now everyone gets scammed we get a call saying we're calling from sky the cable company in, in the uk and he owes us eight pounds uh, and might be some discussion but then eventually you would give the debit card or credit card and, and pay for you know the eight pounds and they're insured you know five minutes later they get another call saying we're calling from bank x the the bank that was we just got uh, we just stopped the fraud case. Uh, that eight pound 
was uh, not legit. And we just stopped that. And then they would ask him kind of what happened. And when he got to the point and I gave my credit card, debit card, and I paid for that, said, oh, so if that's the case, then uh, let's open a new account for you because that card is connected to your bank account. Let's open a new account. Now, psychologically, that's the good person, right? Because they just saved them from eight pounds, right? So now they open and of course, they, they have the account and then they say, okay, now let, let's guide you through transferring all your money to that, uh, uh, to that uh, account. Now, if you think about, I mean, going back to your, uh, to your question of invention, Back then, we had the ability to identify account takeover. So knowing that someone else logged into the account, but in that case, it was the end user themselves that logged into the account. They were fooled, they were manipulated, socially engineered to log into their account. So then we looked at what will be, what can we get from their behavior in these sessions that will tell us that they are on the phone with someone instructing them what to do, where we see just there'll be, so, device, location, everything, you know, gels and everything matches because it's the end user that does that. Their behavior is their behavior, but there are signs in that behavior that they're being manipulated by someone else. So for instance, the way they type the destination account number is as if someone dictates that to them, which is basically one digit at a time or two digits at a time. And if you copy a number that is in front of you and not being dictated over the phone, you usually do that in three or four digits at the time. So those are the type of features that we're looking for to find what signals we can get from the behavior that will show us that they're being, basically allow us to solve that specific new threat uh, that was invented. And of course, the other side is uh, very agile and very smart, so they keep coming up with uh, with new ways to fool and to uh, to do fraud, and we just need to keep uh, keep on top of that. I've got like fifty rabbit holes I can go down right now. I keep thinking because it seems you bring up like, okay, let's backtrack. You have a great team, and a lot of people don't realize that you can have all the AI in the world, you can have all the machine learning in the world, but you still need a human behind it, a human that is continuously educating myself and continuously becoming more professional in their job. So that's an, that's a great thing that you brought that up. Machines can do a lot. They can do the AI. They could do, they could learn, they could learn, learn, learn. Um, but then when you bring up like the fakes and now we're seeing it all the time on the internet, everywhere has deep fakes, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, you could act like someone else like that, but it's almost like you're going to have to find a new fingerprint for people. And as you're identifying that, it's almost like, you know, now you do the captcha where it's like identify three cars in these pictures, but now it's like, Hey, maybe you're going to have to type out a paragraph. So you have like some sort of digital fingerprint. I mean, that's, there's so much you could do to counter the fraudsters, and, but they're still, they're still going to adapt, but it just, it's like a battle. It's like a constant battle. It's, it's absolutely battle. And I think that the battle comes in uh, probably three main directions. One is, you need to, uh, or three angles to that. One is you need to protect the end user, okay? So, I mean, match the behavior and see that they, they it's them and kind of, uh, uh, so that's one. The second is uh, you need to uh, disrupt the business model. So uh, even if I can't stop all the fraud, but I can make the fraud be much slower or I can make the fraud be much more expensive for the other side to uh, to do. That by itself solves some of the problem. 
And the third is actually identifying the bad actors and take them, taking them out of the system. So because if someone fooled you and scammed you and you now transfer that money to that safe account uh, that they claim that, that they created for you, that is a mule account. That is a money laundering account that then funds, of course, tons of other crimes. And, 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 and we started about a year ago to just saying we're not just on the protective side of identifying that someone fooled you, but we're also in, a, in the business of identifying the bad accounts and telling the banks this is not a genuine account. This is an account that needs to be uh, uh, taken out of your system. And there are thousands of, uh, of, uh, of those accounts in every, every major bank uh, in the world. You brought up a good point, and I want—I really do want the audience to understand this, that it's not just one fraudster sitting behind a computer or two or three sitting in a room like you see in the movies. These are actual criminal networks. And you brought up, like, I was looking at your bio and stuff, talking about, like, drug trafficking networks, human trafficking networks, smuggling networks. Everybody is using these to launder money, mm-hmm. and they're using these scams to just bring money in and, and to push money out and around. Let's explain how that works. Like, how are these... Let's explain what a typical, I mean, there is no typical, but what a criminal network is looking like nowadays. So it, it definitely, it, it looks like a pyramid. So it's uh, not, not not that different from, uh, you know, pyramid scams, but uh, but it's basically, you know, usually you have the, the people at the top and they are kind of the master of the, net, of the network. They then recruit in different regions, different geographies. They recruit uh, kind of the head of the cell, if you will. And then they recruit what is called the mule account holders. I mean, and they are sometimes uh, people, though, I mean, absolutely okay people that are just looking for uh, uh, for some quick bucks. Uh, so in the UK, for instance, we have a lot of, at that lower level of accounts, we have a lot of foreign students that came to, for two or three years to live in the UK. Uh, they were absolutely fine accounts two or three years at one of the one of the top banks in the UK, finished studies. Now they're going back to, to their country. And then they got to get an offer in the social networks that says, just leave the account open for us and we'll pay you a few hundred uh, uh, pounds for just, uh, uh, you know, not closing the account. And then all of a sudden the bank has an account that was absolutely fine uh, until a given point becomes part of the money laundering network of, uh, of accounts. So that's one of the cases. There are, of course, cases of stealing identity and opening an account on behalf of someone. In, so someone might have bought your identity for not too, not, not too much money and open an account somewhere uh, using that identity. And, and that account is being used to funnel money uh, through that. So the multiple personas of those mule accounts, depending on how much they are uh, uh, implicit in 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 knowing that they are part of uh, uh, part of money laundering uh, networks, uh, but once you have those accounts and this whole pyramid works, so the scam that goes uh, the the scam money hits those accounts. In many cases, does multiple jumps, so that kind of you lose track of where the money uh, so transfer to one account and split and transfer to other accounts, etc. But then that feeds. The owner of the account might get the piece of that, as that that's kind of their, you know, their card. But that feeds the, net, the kind of the regional uh, network, and that feeds the, uh, the 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 global heads that are in many cases outside of the US. I tell you, crime is crime. It really right. is. It is the same thing. Yeah. It's like 
you had the lower level people funneling up the middle level, middle level funneling up. And there's a guy at the top who's just like, okay, how, how are we going to make more money? So you could have like a drug trafficking organization who's like, huh, well, I'm selling a ton of drugs. Let's, let's smuggle some bodies. Now we'll smuggle some people, traffic some people. I'm like, Hey, you know what? Cyber looks good. Cyber, you know, looking at these money mules, $3 billion. I mean, that's just, just for bank fraud. Now think about the criminal enterprise, how many billions of dollars they're bringing in. And, and it's, uh, and it's way easier and way less physical than, than many other types of, uh, of crime. Okay. So you don't need to smuggle things. You don't need to kill, uh, kill anyone. You just need to fool people. And, Evolutionary, we are wired. I just read a few days ago a uh, uh, research coming out of New Zealand uh, of kind of the literature of why people fall to scam. We're just wired to to fall for scams because we, when we cooperate, when we uh, help someone, we have this warm and fuzzy feeling of being uh, being good. So it's very easy for us to uh, uh, to fall to fall for scam. And when you talk about scam. Everyone falls for scam, and and some of the myths uh, also in that study that they is like you know we thought that this is primarily uh, elderly people. No, I mean the the age bracket that is forty percent of people that got scammed are actually in the twenties, the, the millennials. The seventy plus is only eighteen percent mm. of the people that actually fall uh, uh, fall into scam. We thought that uh, Roman scams. I mean, when someone fools you into a romantic uh, and eventually romantic uh, uh, relationship and eventually steal your money, we kind of thought that this is primarily women that fall for that. No, 60% are actually men that fall for that. We thought that uh, it's the, the more you, you are educated, the less you fall for scam, completely reverse. I mean, actually, people that did not finish high school are only about half as likely to fall for scam that edu- than, than uh, more educated people. So, Anyone can fall for that. And actually, one of the parameters is the more confident you are in your capability, the more likely you are to fall for scam because your defenses are now. So it's it just uh, – and, and the scammers at the, at the COVID days, I mean, there was a study at, uh, at uh, 2020, the first year of COVID. There was a study in the UK. Every month there was a new type of fraud being invented, new type of scam being invented by fraudsters. You know, it was pet scams when everyone was go, uh, was by, you know dying to get a dog because that was the only excuse to get out and kind of uh, so they were uh, pet scams, they were postal scams. I mean, uh, Roman scams, investment scams. Like every month there was a new, and they all played on different vulnerabilities, which means different psychologies of of, of the end user of uh, of who they are trying to uh, to fool. Man, you brought up a really good point. Scams and the pet scams. You know, you like to think, and that's when you bring up the younger generation and a lot of the the educated, they almost like they live in a bubble. Now, I didn't really kind of understand what was going on in the world until I got into law enforcement and stuff like that. But the bubble, you think you don't think that people are out there that are truly just want to take all of your money, everything. You know, you used to think, oh, when you were younger, you could leave your doors open. Now you can't leave your doors open. Now you have to look at it as like your money is there. Your your door is open if you get these scamsters come in. Like it's just a different type of door. You have to look at it. You have to lock it. Now before we get going here, I want to know what where what is BioCatch? Is it are you did you 
the company more for corporations or is it end users like you, me, someone else uses BioCatch type of software? I mean, what is explain uh, BioCatch? So, so BioCatch is now, uh, uh, you know, it's a company of uh, close to 300 people. Uh, majority of the, uh, half of the people are based in Israel and all the uh, development and uh, kind of the, the product organization sits in Israel. Uh, then we have people in 18 other countries. So we, uh, we have uh, uh, not just kind of sales and marketing people, but also uh, threat analysts that work very closely with our customers on understanding the, what's going on and what's new and what are the new trends, if you will, coming uh, in the different regions and the different regions behave, uh, behave differently. That gives us this worldwide visibility that we know what's now being introduced to the market in terms of fraud in the UK. And we know that this will migrate in the next few months to, to the other geographies that we cover. Uh, and we sell our solutions to the banks. Uh, so financial institutions, uh, that's where the majority of the fraud aiming because that's where the money is. Uh, and we basically protect their end users. So we're looking at how you interact with uh, the bank application on the mobile device or the one bank website on your desktop or laptop. And we basically look not at what you do, but we look at how you do things. And we get we get all those signals, what we call the behavioral insights. It says this guy is now being manipulated. This, this is not a genuine user. This is a mule account. This is an uh, account being opened by someone that stole the information. And that's so we, I mean, multiple use cases through the whole life cycle of the customer with the banks to just stop them at open, from opening account, preventing account takeover, preventing scams, and identifying the bad actors in terms of you. So the full life cycle of the customer uh, on the bank side. I really enjoy this conversation. I, you know, I'm looking forward to actually talking more about this in the future. And I'd love to have you back on the show. Thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, it was a pleasure. Thanks, Jason.